Hey, stranger! The Opus is moving out and into a new season as we continue to explore the ongoing legacy of music's most iconic records. I'm your host, Adam Unz, and this season we're celebrating the 45th anniversary of Billy Joel's fifth studio album, The Stranger, a record whose critical and commercial success catapulted the piano man to superstardom. Helping us explore this classic collection are artists like Billy Joel's drummer Liberty DeVito, Regina Spector, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, Rozzy, Lissy, The Arkells, Bayside's Anthony Renari, and Ben Folds. Great music shapes lives, shakes rafters, and embeds itself into our culture. So let's find out why only the good die young as we deep dive into The Stranger. The new season is out now and is brought to you by the Consequence Podcast Network and Sony Legacy Recordings. Find us at consequence.net or wherever you get your podcasts. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to the Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, my guest today is singer, songwriter, and podcaster Rozzy, who chatted with me about her spark of inspiration, the little-known album Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Just kidding. It's one of the biggest albums of all time. And I love it. So I was really glad to have an opportunity to get super nerdy about the backstory behind it and all of the intraband drama involved in its production. Uh, Rozzy is a lovely person, and I had a great time with her. And guess what? You will too. So let's dive right in. Uh, quick Rozzy facts. LA-based artist Rozzy, aka Rosalind Crane, is a neo-soul singer and songwriter originally from San Francisco. She is known for her smoky, full-bodied vocals, and her music moves seamlessly from upbeat pop, funk, and R&B to low-key acoustic ballads. She released her critically acclaimed debut album, Bad Together, in 2018, and recently she has branched out into the world of podcasting. She co-hosts Ugh, You're So Good with Scott Hoying of Pentatonix. Um, Rozzy's new EP, Him for Tomorrow, will be released this Friday, July 16th. Quick rumors fact. Rumors is the 11th studio album by British-American rock band Fleetwood Mac. Rumors was an instant commercial success, selling over 10 million copies worldwide within just a month of its release. Overall, it has sold more than 40 million copies worldwide, making it one of the best-selling albums of all time. The Rumors studio sessions were marked by hedonism and strife among band members that shaped the album's lyrics. And that's about it. So let's get to our feature presentation. Here comes my chat with Rozzy about Rumors. The first question is usually, <laughs> do you remember coming across? across this artwork for the first time but i assume that's kind of like saying do you remember the first time you realized the sky was blue it's like yeah i don't no you're right yeah. i don't remember <laughs> the first time but i do remember like the first phase of my life that it mattered and that was seventh grade um and i think it's because my mom loved the my dad i think did too they loved Fleetwood mac and in seventh grade i didn't have that many friends <laughs> so Fleetwood mac was i, I associate it with like a coziness because I remember 
feeling like, you know, middle school, everyone has a rough time. And Fleetwood Mac was kind of my saving grace. I just, I was, I listened to the music instead of hanging out at the parties at whatever, you know, where I didn't feel included or something. That's, that's the, that's the first time I found love with the record. Yeah. It's funny thinking, like, I, I think a lot of people, including myself, feel that way, that it feels like a security blanket. It's like really mm-hmm. comforting. And then kind of juxtaposing that with the total chaos that was happening in the band and like what all of the songs are actually about and all of that stuff. It's like, yeah, uh, the the music belies uh, a lot of chaos and tumultuous stuff. That's a really good point. I've never really thought about I mean, obviously, I'm very aware of the fact of, like, rumors. Like, they're, mm. they're, obviously, it's all about the chaos behind the scenes. But I've never really connected that dot. It is pretty funny that it, it is, like, a cozy album to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, rumors. But they were all, like, doing cocaine at 5 in the morning, hating each other and right. cheating on each other and stuff. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm assuming in seventh grade you were having a very different experience to that. So Very, very. No, yeah. My drama was, like, my best friend of me didn't invite me to her like birthday party that was my drama so (laughs) not not the same yeah it's funny thinking about that stuff too like have do you have you watched um pen 15 yes yeah love that show right love and i think it one of the things that it does best is like really getting to how much it hurts having things like that happen to you when you're that age that it's like these very yeah. minor things that as an adult, you're like, you know, you, somebody doesn't invite you to a party and you're like, that sucks. That's kind of mean, but whatever. And you move on. But when you're like 13, it's like, Oh, my oh it, mar- it marks your year. Yeah. Like my year was marked by that's so true. I think pen 15 is exactly how I was feeling when I first fell in love with Fleetwood Mac. That is, ex- they're like, I think maybe couple years older than me so they really captured like the era Mm -hmm. that I was in seventh grade so yes exactly (laughs) yeah yeah um and I think having like a band that's unique in a lot of ways but it's sort of like at least three bands like every every member is kind of their own thing and it's like they come together and piece all of this it's like you know this patchwork but especially the three vocalists that I guess it's like kind of like the Beatles that you can tell when it's a John Lennon song or when it's a Paul McCartney song and with this it's you know the same situation where the person who's singing is normally the person who wrote the song yeah but it's still this it's you know feels like pieces of a puzzle that they all fit together even if it's kind of disparate sounds coming into it well I do think that's a secret to some of the greatest bands are multiple singers and multiple songwriters you know like which makes sense it's like you you bring the everybody brings their best thing and you only have room for the best so it ends up being you know just better quality stuff across the whole like that's like why this whole record is phenomenal because they had three main songwriters all writing so they could they just chose everyone's like three best songs you know that's that's why i feel like and, and then also i think at least i personally love really great harmonies and like really great vocals and i think it's they totally feel like the beatles to me i always kind of feel like uh stevie nicks is john lennon and christy mcvee is paul mccartney like Mm -hmm. christine and paul both feel like they have like that melody gift like they really know how to like purely entertain and they they do they give the gift of like 
a non-pretentious like genius you know Mm -hmm. like they just want to like write a great melody that everybody loves that's of course just my interpretation as a fan and of course there's so much depth to their songs I'm not saying I'm I'm obsessed with both of them and they have so much depth but they they just are givers in that way versus Stevie and John Lennon who to me are more like you know like the witch of the band in a great way they're like the spiritual mysteries source you know of pain and like the beauty of the suffering, you know, they just seem to capture those two sides of like humanity, which is why I think it works so beautifully together. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think they're very similar bands in that way. Yeah. Have you, have you ever heard of night of a thousand Stevie's? No. It's like this thing that happens. It used to happen at like the Highline ballroom in New York. And I am assuming they haven't done it for a couple of years for obvious yeah. reasons, but um, it's like people come dressed up as Stevie Nicks and <sighs> people like do you know, perform and do covers and the people who run it, there's like, I think at least one of them is a drag queen. Um, I was going to say that feels. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But yeah, I I was just thinking like one of the people who runs it, I went one time because my friend is obsessed with it and dragged me along. And the person who is introducing it was like, we're all here because we love Stevie and we love crystals and water and all those good things <laughs> so it's like that kind of thing it's like mystical yes. you know um yes. and I, I watched the like vh1 behind the music about fleetwood mac uh, in preparation for this as part of the preparation for this and yeah she was talking about that as well it's just Amazing. Like, you know the person who believes in fairies and has like you know long flowing scarves and you know yes. just like uh that kind of real totally. like hippie foundation totally. Yeah. Which I totally feel. I mean, they made the record, as far as I know, mostly in Sausalito, mm-hmm. which is, I'm from San Francisco. So I think uh-huh. maybe I kind of felt that before. I didn't know that when I was a kid, but I, there's like a Bay Area energy that my mom grew up in. My mom's from Marin County and she was there in the 60s and 70s, you know? And I think it felt like witchy in a way that's really like, that actually is very cozy to me. It reminds mm-hmm. me of my home, the Bay Area. Like San Francisco's not really like that anymore. You know, it's now more of like a tech whatever. But when I was growing up, it was very, the hippie thing was still around. And I think I hear that in the record too, but especially in Stevie Nicks aesthetic, like it feels very San Francisco in the seventies to me. Yeah. And all of her, like the stuff that she wrote for Fleetwood Mac is all, it feels like kind of romantic and like very calm. And that is the, like, at least to me, the height of Fleetwood Mac feeling like a, you know, security blanket. And the stuff that she writes about though is like. Devastating. Yeah. Big emotional things and breakups and whatever. And it's such a skill to like put both of those things into a song. Yeah. She has a way of writing lyrics that I feel like could be about anything. And yet everyone knows what she means. Mm. And that's kind of the magic of her. I feel like it feels like she's like, pouring an energy into the words that we can beyond just like brilliant songwriting it feels like there's a force in the lyrics that make that translates to me what she's trying to the emotion she's trying to express even if what she's saying is like kind of vague and metaphorical you know like gold dust woman what is that but i kind of i know what she means i know what she's talking i know what a gold dust woman is yeah you know it's like i think she's magical yeah i also always think of um players only love you when they're playing from mm-hmm. dreams which she wrote, you know, well before like players gonna play was like a thing like that, you know what I mean? Like she's talking about guitar players, Mm -hmm. but, but like what unbelievable, like lyrical 
foreshadowing. Like she just felt, she just felt, feels like actually maybe magical. Right. <laughs> like yeah. she's a fortune teller and a, and a sorceress. And I just, I love it. I think that's, there's something incredibly empowering about that to me. Like mm. a, like a modern day witches I always kind of associate with feminism, mm. you know, like these like women that were too powerful that needed to be killed because people couldn't handle it. That's how right. she feels right. to me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, with dreams, as well she wrote that song in 10 minutes and <gasps> there's all of this s- stuff around that that they you know they were all at each other's throats and she was either had either broken up with Lindsay buckingham or they were in the process of breaking up and like weren't speaking to each other and in the studio where they were working sly stone had had this room built for him that had like a bed and you know decked out and all of this like very 70s stuff and she went in there and sat on the bed and just wrote it and then brought it back and was like what do you guys think of this and she said Lindsay buckingham hadn't been speaking to her and he looked at it and just like smiled and it was like the only thing they could really communicate about was music uh, um, wow that's beautiful yeah and thing of her to be able to do that but <laughs> totally yeah and i yeah. think the contrast with that the women in this band are everything to me mm-hmm. Lindsay buckingham like i feel he's he's supposed to be a dick and everything that I've heard about him is that he's like yeah. an impossible person. And I like the songs that he wrote, but it's still like I am I'm much more in tune with Me. the women. And, and and I love his songs. Love. But I'm I also am drawn to the songs by the women i mean his he kind of feels like the pop master on this record to me it's like he's really bringing the like catchy big banger melodies which are incredible you know and i love them but for me as a fan i'm always more pulled towards like the emotional lyrical depth that i'm not saying he doesn't have but the women just have in spades to me so Mm -hmm. i'm a little bit more drawn to them too yeah and i think it's also a little bit about subtlety like the comparison the breakup songs on that album from both sides of that couple that like go your own way is like fuck you fuck you yeah. get away from me and <laughs> um dreams this was another thing that stevie Nicks was talking about she's like you know he's basically saying i don't want anything to do with you you right. suck and she's saying like let the rain wash you clean <laughs> like you know just totally. trying to have a bit more introspection totally. Yeah, no, totally. That's, yeah, I guess that's the other thing that's amazing about the album is whether you're aware of it or not, you're really experiencing like the whole picture of a relationship and a breakup from literally both people's sides, right. you know, like that's a once, that, that how rare is that in an art form? You know, I write very personal songs about people in my life all the time, but you don't get to like hear the rebuttal, like on the set, mm. <laughs> like on the record, like that's, that's pretty cool. Totally. And like Christine McVie wrote, you make loving fun about the guy who she just started dating. I know. Sound engineer or something. I know. That's the thing about this record too, that like has really stuck with me is as a songwriter, my mantra is if I'm embarrassed to put it in the song, I'm on the right track. Like that's my belief is the more personal and kind of scary it is to share, the better it is because that's where the good stuff is. And this record, I mean, it takes it to a whole nother level. I can't imagine coming into a room with an ex who I was making this record with and sitting down and playing this song about the guy I was cheating on him with. I mean, it's like so brave. It Mm. kind of, I find it just like so inspiring because I'm like way to prioritize your art. I like, that's, that's not easy. That's like a, that's would be very hard for me to do. And I write really personal songs all the time. It just takes it to another level. Yeah. 
Totally. I just like, I can't imagine, I can't imagine working with somebody who you've just broken up with much less in such an intimate way and, you know, really needing to depend on each other and really needing to like all be focused on this song. That's like about what a piece of shit you are. (laughs) And like Stevie Phoenix has said before as well, that playing go your own way on stage was really painful because Mm -hmm. they had such a long history together. And it was like, even though she was writing songs that were about their relationship and about other members of the band, it wasn't as direct. And so she felt like there wasn't quite a right of response that, you know, he's saying like shacking up is all you want to do. And she's like, that's not true. And she wanted to like, when she she's singing sing along with it, she's oh, like wanting to say, that's not true. You know that the, what the situation was and like broadcasting to the world that this is your version of it was, was really hard. That's so cool. Yeah. That is so cool of them. I kind of can't believe that. The other thing that I was when I was reading about it, like I obviously I, I didn't prepare that much because I just love this record so much that I feel like I could talk about it forever. But I yeah. did want to get some like I wanted to refresh some of like the basic stuff. And I was reading about it again. And it was their 11th album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is the um, I can't believe that. I'm like your 11th album. Like what? And it just made me it just really reminded me that we have to give artists time because mm-hmm. like. It's like, it's not that like this was their first great record, you know, like Rhiannon was on their last record. They have plenty. I don't even know. I'm sure I I forget which songs were on which album, but Mm -hmm. they definitely had a great body of work beforehand. But this is like their opus. Like this is like Fleetwood Mac, you know, and it just really reminded me of my, what I always say, which is like, we need time to develop. You got to give artists a second. And I think we don't do that the way we used to, you know, we don't give people time to find themselves and experiment and find their voice and make mistakes and not get it right. And I just think it's such a testament to that i was like that really inspired me i was like oh wow you guys just kept making records and this was your 11th one (laughs) yeah yeah a lot of albums (laughs) right and i think from when the band started to this lineup of the band it's like you know they start out as kind of a blues band and the music changed so dramatically and adding like Lindsay Buckingham and um, Stevie Nicks made it like kind of solidified what their sound was going to become. But still, when you think of other bands that have had kind of lineup changes and whatever, and then found success, it's like, you know, the third album is the one that really takes off. So this is a really long stretch of time when they were just kind of gigging, traveling around, trying to make it work. And it obviously paid off in the end. Exactly. <laughs> So inspiring. Yeah, yeah, it's totally crazy. Um, and the yeah, the the album before this one had uh, Rhiannon on it, and that album I think sold like four million copies, and that was enough to give them all of the freedom that they needed to make rumors, and that's why you know it was this very long process. They like canceled a tour because they were in the midst of making this album right i love that oh but that landslide was on the one right before yeah yeah and it wasn't it wasn't even a single that's hilarious say you love me that's what i was thinking Say you love me love it yeah and those two songs i think were the big singles off of that album rhiannon and say you love me Uh over my head i feel like and monday morning over my head yeah yeah yeah. those three I think those were the three singles and then Landslide was just an album track and didn't really gain traction until they were, you know, huge. But I will say in my in my much shorter and less impressive career, I've had similar experiences. I've had songs the songs that have done the best for me are not the ones that the label chose as singles. Mm. Every time. Every single time. No. So it's I'm like, that's I don't know what that means, but I think 
of course, all the time labels do choose the correct song. That is the biggest song, you know, but yeah. I find that interesting. I, Lance, I mean, like, whoa, I didn't know that. Landside wasn't even a single. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's just like good music finds a way to get exposure and also just fans identify songs that are obviously amazing, even if they're not singles and just say, we love this. This is what we want to hear. Yeah. Going back to what you're saying, though, about giving artists the space to develop and just to find their way. I think obviously that the landscape for musicians, the way that the music industry works is very different now than it was in the seventies, but um, having a band that sold like 4 million albums, it was a success. They were, you know, packing out concerts, all that kind of stuff. But the idea that that would make it so that they could just like, there's all these crazy stories about them on never going back again, like the producer or the engineer saying Lindsey Buckingham's strings sounded really bright when he was playing. And so he wanted to keep replacing them to keep it like fresh. It was only like sounding that way for the first about 20 minutes. So they were replacing all the strings on his guitar every 20 minutes for a whole day. And like, everybody's going crazy, just like it's taking so much time. And then he they'd recorded it in the wrong key and they couldn't use any of it and so they just went back and did it again the next day but like that kind of indulgence in addition to i think that's that's like the furthest extreme of giving artists the room to grow but um at least saying there's something here they're building a fan base and it could take an album or two before we really get them into, uh, before they even figure out what kind of band they are, what their sound is, all of those things. And now it's just also like instant gratification. Everybody yeah. wants to see proven results straight away or else they're out. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I think it's a waste. I, th- I think it's, I, uh, or maybe waste is the wrong word. I think it's a, it's like, de- it's, it's a detriment to us as a culture. I think we're going to miss out on art if we don't give people time to get it right. You know, I get why, I get why we can't do that. I understand music industries. It's the tough, obviously I know that. And I understand those decisions, but I just think the greatest art sometimes takes a second. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about your favorite artists that did have a huge hit. Like, okay, Beyonce, right? She's huge, huge. She's been huge forever. She's always huge, but it was nothing like Lemonade. Like Lemonade was like her opus that like changed the conversation of what Beyonce is, you know, she's like this Michael Jackson level artist that is kind of, we can't live without her, you know? And I have felt that way for a long time. I personally think feel that way about her album four. I think that album is Mm, is good, but I just think as a culture, because she had such massive success, she was given that time because she had such huge, huge hits. She was given that time to develop as an artist, but think about all the people who didn't, you know, there definitely were people who just didn't have that opportunity to become what she became. And I think we miss out. We miss out on such incredible art that makes everybody so happy. What makes people happier than music? Nothing. Maybe food. That's about it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm thinking about like Amy Winehouse. Um, Her first album was Frank. And I was living in the UK at the time that it came out. And it was like, you know, did, did decently well. There was one big single from it. But I don't know that anybody was like, this woman is about to light the world on fire. Totally. And, you know. Then back to that album is incredible and, you know, changes everything. So yeah, that kind of stuff that it's like, even, you know, even though she, I don't think she was in danger of like being dropped by her label or anything, but it's just the progression 
seeing that sometimes people need to work things out on their first album. If she had been signed to a different label, she might have not had that second chance. You right. know, like I think she, I don't know that story. I'm a huge, huge Amy Winehouse fan, but I don't know that story. But I, my sense is she had someone who believed in her. So mm-hmm. even though the, the album totally did well, but you're right, it wasn't like, I mean, Adele's the same thing, you know, like mm-hmm. they both had albums that were like, oh, here you go. This is, yeah, we like this, you know, mm-hmm. but, but it wasn't anywhere close to what they did next. It's like, you have to give people that opportunity. Yeah. Because like, from my experience, I don't know if you're an artist too, but mm. it's like, you're, I'm growing all the time. It's like, you learn stuff along the way. You have to get a chance to show it. Right. And that's also going back to Fleetwood Mac and the kind of spirit of collaboration. It's not just about time. It's about who you have access to, chance encounters with people. Like, you know, they found Lindsay Buckingham at a, like Mick Fleetwood was just going to a studio for some other reason and happened to meet him there. And the meeting Lindsey Buckingham and having him and um, Stevie Nicks come into the band was the thing that really changed everything. Um, so those kinds of things where it's like, you know, Amy Winehouse meeting Mark Ronson and working with him um, that it's, yeah, it's about nurturing people and, you know, finding the right people to work with, the right sound, um, all of those elements coming together. And so much great music is made that way. Totally. Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to say about Christine McVie, I think her songs are, they're like the, sometimes like the, the songs that I are probably the most famous that she's written feel like the lyrics are lighter than the melody or something. Like, yeah, I'm I'm thinking about songs like say you love me and, um, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Everywhere where it's like kind of minor key. There's like a melancholy, a bit of a sadness to it, but it's like a love song. That's just like totally emotional and expansive. Totally. Yeah. It seems like there's, I don't know my, uh, this, and this is purely just my interpretation of it. It almost gives me the sense of like, I'm in love and this is so exciting and I'm, and I'm so in lust and, and have such a crush, but the undercurrent of like, but what happens next? Mm-hmm. That's a minor bit. It's like the self-awareness that like that, those feelings are temporary or those feelings are fleeting. You know, it almost seems, which I think is the genius of it. Cause it's not just like, la la la, I love you. Congrats to us. We're in mm-hmm. love. It's like, you know, it's like, I, it's like, Ooh, this is such a high, but what comes after the high, right. you know, and that's kind of the, the melodic undertone I, t- I think that's so true who knows if that's intentional but it feels like she gets that in there in some way subconsciously maybe or maybe yeah. consciously yeah just like emotional complexity and you know acknowledging that at least to me it feels like the music is acknowledging that even the beginning of a relationship when you're all just like you know Daga. feeling great that there's always like twinges of doubts and, yeah, and totally and whatever um totally. And I don't know, you know, this is all me projecting all this stuff onto her, but she is also probably the most reluctant rock star in the band. Totally. And, you know, she had like crippling stage fright and just um, all of that kind of stuff. And you contrast that with Stevie Nicks, who is like born to be a rock star. Yeah. (laughs) Just like her and you know in her solo stuff as well just like commanding the totally totally um but i think that having that 
contrast works as well. Like you can't have everyone in the band. And I think maybe that was slightly the problem with Lindsey Buckingham as well is that he wanted to be front and center and have all that kind of attention. And I think the definitely Stevie Nicks, but probably both of the women were more in a position to get the kind of attention that he was looking for. I should do a group therapy session with a band and just say, guys, see and I, think I, I think I see the problem. I think I, thought, I, think I solved it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, sure. This has been an absolute delight. Um, so much fun. Thank you for letting me talk about one of my favorite bands, albums, people ever. It's just so much fun. Same. And, you know, I've said it before that, uh, I love talking to people about all different kinds of art. I love talking about things I've never heard of before and stuff that maybe I'm not even into. But there is something very special about having a piece of work that is like, yay! <laughs> and that's how this makes me feel. So thank so, you for the opportunity yeah. to, uh, to talk yes. about it. I'm so glad. So much fun. I loved it. Um, well, thanks again. And uh, take care. Awesome. You too. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. That was so fun. Thanks again to Rosie for talking to me. Her new EP, Him for Tomorrow, will be released this Friday, July 16th. So stream and download it a million times the second it becomes available. And now, quick inspirational cultural spark from me. So this week, it's Black Widow. Uh, not because it's a great movie. It's okay. It's pretty fun, but it uh, didn't change my life. But the reason it sparked inspiration for me is because I saw it in a movie theater. The first time I've been inside one for nearly a year and a half. It was weird and a little anxiety inducing. And it definitely reminded me of the fact that most people are garbage monsters. Just for the record, please don't relentlessly ask questions about the movie you're seeing in an outside voice while you're in a public place. And uh, don't take off your shoes and put your gross feet on the seat in front of you. Top tips. Uh, sorry, I digress. On balance, even with those distractions, it was so great to be back at the movies. And Black Widow is such a huge spectacle that it was amazing to see it on a big screen. So get vaccinated if you're not, and then go to the movies if you feel comfortable. It's very fun. And that's about all I've got this week. Please tell your friends about this show. It really helps to spread the word. I know I say that every week, but it does. And subscribe if you haven't done that already or follow the show or whatever your podcast listening platform of choice lets you do. And other than that, take care of yourself, have a fun week, and until next time, bye. Could it be the giant pink dress? <gasps> you didn't like what, you didn't like a Jimbo outfit? How dare you? I know. Hi, I'm Mijan. And I'm Nick. I like to call myself a semi-drag race expert. And I've never seen it before. So join us on our podcast, Whispering Hunties, every week for drag race expertise. And the exact opposite of that. Either way, it's a geeky. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, brrr. okay. Get How out. could I possibly take your cute cats that keep walking <laughs> all over you and making know. me wish that I had a My pet? Sweet little debris. Get, get out of this podcast. I need a door slam like <laughs> right now as I throw you out of the house. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to apocalypsepodcastnetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.